Okay, now you can speak. You I can, can speak. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes. We okay. hear Mike because she speaks very softly. I, I'm a New Yorker. I can't stand it. I speak too, too, too low. I'm told all the time. I, it's hard for me to comprehend that. I'm sorry. Okay, well, on the same themes of the grandmother grandbaby, and this, this is truly coincidental, I want you to know, between Tina's little jokes and my little story, totally coincidental. A grandmother and a little girl whose face was sprinkled with bright red freckles spent the day at the zoo. The children were waiting in line to get their cheeks painted by a local artist who was decorating them with their paws. You've got so many freckles, there's no place to paint, a boy in the line cried. Embarrassed, the little girl dropped her head. Her grandmother knelt down next to her. I love your freckles, she said. Not me, the girl replied. Well, when I was a little girl, I always wanted freckles, she said tracing her finger across the child's cheek. Freckles are beautiful. The girl looked up. Really? Of course, said the grandmother. Why just name me one thing that's prettier than freckles? And the little girl peered into the old woman's smiling face. Wrinkles, she said softly. <laughs> yeah, little grandma jokes, little brats. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, ladies, welcome to our, our women's Bible study. Um, it's good to be back. Uh, the second semester, we will be studying two books, the Gospel of Mark and the Book of Lamentations. One New Testament, one Old Testament, and both are wonderful. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one is different. Gospel means good news. And they are the good news about the most significant events in all of history, the life, sacrificial death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. The Gospels are not biographies. They are not intended to present the complete life of Jesus. And they give little information about the first 30 years of his life. While Jesus' public ministry lasted over three years, the Gospels focus much of their attention on the last week of his life. Each Gospel has its unique perspective. John MacArthur says, taken together, the four Gospels weave a complete portrait of the God-man, Jesus of Nazareth. In him were blended perfect humanity and deity, making him the only sacrifice for the sins of the world and the worthy Lord of those who believe. Matthew wrote primarily to a Jewish audience, presenting Jesus of Nazareth as Israel's long-awaited Messiah and King. His genealogy focuses on Jesus' royal descent from Israel's greatest king, David. There's an emphasis on Jesus' continuity with Jewish history, his teachings, and his fulfillment of prophecy. The words kingdom of heaven are mentioned 33 times. Luke, an educated Greek, was a careful researcher and accurate historian. He wrote to a broader Gentile audience using the most sophisticated literary Greek of any New Testament writer. 
He portrays Jesus as savior and master, the perfect man, stressing the humanity of Jesus. The title Son of Man appears 26 times and Lord appears 102 times. He shows Jesus as the answer to the needs and hopes of the human race who came to seek and save lost sinners. Luke traces Jesus' genealogy back to Adam. John is writing to all people, the whole world. He emphasizes the deity of Christ, that's John 3.16, the meaning of salvation and the personal relationship of Jesus to individuals. He writes to strengthen the faith of believers and to appeal to unbelievers to come to faith in Christ. Now Mark is, tar is targeted to a Gentile audience, especially a Roman one. It is the gospel of action. The words straight away or immediately are used 42 times. The narrative moves along rapidly. A favorite pastor of ours says it is a book for busy people who want to be serious about being like Christ, a tireless servant. It is the shortest and least quoted of the Gospels and from the 4th to the 19th century was neglected by scholars. After the four Gospels were written, no other writings about Jesus were ever accepted by the believers as authoritative and inspired scripture. It is these four Gospels and no more. The universal testimony of the early church was that these were the true Gospels. They are in perfect harmony with one another because they had one single divine author. Although the Gospel of Mark does not name its author, it is the unanimous testimony of early church fathers that Mark was the author. Suggested dates for the writing range from A.D. 50 to A.D. 70. We first meet John Mark, John, his Hebrew name, Mark, his Greek name, in Acts 12.12, where we learn that his mother's name was Mary, and her house in Jerusalem was being used as a place for believers to gather and pray. As we know, there were many women named Mary at that time, and John Mark is mentioned only to distinguish her from the other Marys. Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark. She obviously was a wealthy widow, and it was to her home that Peter went when he was let out of prison by the angel who took him past unsuspecting guards. Peter was going to be killed by Herod the next day. He was in prison between two guards and chained. They were taking no chances of his escaping. That's Acts 12, 9 through 17. Describes how Peter was rescued by an angel. Chains fell, doors opened, guards undisturbed, and out he went. When he came to himself and realized what had happened, he proceeded to Mary's house, a familiar destination. Mark was not a disciple of Jesus during Jesus' ministry or an eyewitness of Jesus' ministry. He accompanied the apostle Peter as he evangelized and listened to his preaching. Justin Martyr, writing about A.D. 185, called Mark the disciple and interpreter of Peter. What Mark did in this gospel account was record accurately what Peter had, had told him about the Lord. 
Mark presents Jesus as the suffering servant of God and as the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's Mark 10, 45. We are to minister as he did, with the same greatness of humility and devotion to the service of others. Jesus exhorted us to remember that to be great in God's kingdom, we must be the servant of all. That's Mark 10, 44. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave to all. Mark's focus is on the deeds of Jesus more than his teaching. The lengthy discourses found in the other Gospels is omitted in Mark's Gospel, as well as any account of Jesus' ancestry and birth. Mark begins where Jesus' public ministry began, with his baptism by John in the wilderness, and ends with the resurrection of Jesus. All the Gospel ends. All the Gospels end with the resurrection of Jesus and brings the story of Christ on earth to an end. The book of Acts begins with Jesus spending 40 days after his resurrection teaching his disciples things pertaining to the kingdom of God, getting them ready to fulfill their commission. Chapter 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. We are very familiar with that passage. In the first 12 chapters of Acts, the gospel in Judea and Samaria, the primary preacher is Peter. In the second half, the gospel to the remotest part of the earth, the dominant preacher is Paul. So when we come to chapter 12, we are at the end of the ministry of the Apostle Peter. John Mark is a recurring person in the book of Acts and a close companion of the Apostle Peter. In 1 Peter 5.13, Peter calls him my son Mark. He was a cousin of Barnabas, that's Colossians 4.10, and accompanied Paul and Barnabas on Paul's first missionary journey as their helper. Mark had a servant's heart. He was a helper. For some reason, Mark deserted them and returned to Jerusalem. He was young. Time passes, and Barnabas wanted to take Mark with him on his second missionary journey with Paul. Paul refused to take the deserter. The friction between Paul and Barnabas because of Mark was great and caused their separation. So Barnabas took Mark with him to Cyprus, that's Acts 15.39, and Paul chose Silas to travel through Syria and Seleucia, strengthening the church. That's Acts 15.41. Mark shows up again around 10 years later when Paul is in prison in Rome. He writes to the church in Colossae and says in chapter 4, verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings and also Barnabas' cousin Mark. And if he comes to you, welcome him. In Philemon, verse 23, Paul mentions Mark is with him. Paul is imprisoned for the second and last time just before his death and writes to Timothy that only Luke is with him and when he, Timothy, comes, bring Mark for he is useful to me in the ministry. John MacArthur calls this the story of the restored deserter. 
Mark was not an apostle, nor a pastor, nor a teacher, not an evangelist, not a leader. He was just a helper, a servant. MacArthur says, what a privilege for this helper, the most unlikely of people. God gave him privilege beyond calculation to be an intimate companion of Paul, an intimate companion of Peter, helping both of them. But beyond that, giving him the privilege to write one of the four inspired gospels. Don't ever underestimate what God is able to do with helpers. So ladies, are you a helper? Do you make yourself available as a helper? Are you curious to see what the Lord will do with your life if you do? Again, never underestimate what God is able to do with helpers. The Gospel of Mark. Lamentations. For 40 years, the prophet Jeremiah wept for the destruction of Jerusalem that he knew was coming. His ministry was directed mostly to his own people in Judah. He cried out for his countrymen to repent of their sins and avoid God's judgment of an invader destroying them, and no one believed him. As a result of Judah's continued and unrepentant idolatry, God allowed the Babylonians to besiege, plunder, burn, and destroy the city of Jerusalem. Solomon's temple which had stood for approximately 400 years, was burned to the ground. There was terrible suffering, unspeakable horror. A famine had come for two years while the city was being attacked. It was so bad that women were eating their children. Oh. The prophet Jeremiah, who witnessed it all, likely wrote the Book of Lamentations between 586 and 538 BC, during or soon after Jerusalem's fall. He was known as the weeping prophet for his deep and abiding passion for his people and their city. Jeremiah understands that God chose Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar to bring about his wrath and judgment on his unrepentant people. But in Lamentations, he never once explicitly names Babylon or its king. Only the Lord is identified as the one who dealt with Judah's sin. Lamentation makes it clear that sin and rebellion were the causes of God's wrath being poured out. Along with Ruth, Esther, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes, Lamentations is recognized by the Jews as a part of their sacred canon of the Old Testament five scrolls. The Jews read each of these books in the synagogue on a special feast or fast day each year. The city fell in mid-July and the temple was burned in mid-August. Thus, Lamentations is read on the 9th of A.B., July-August, to remember the date of Jerusalem's destruction by Nebuchadnezzar. Its purpose then would have been to memorialize God's faithfulness in bringing covenant punishment on his people for their unfaithfulness. They didn't believe God's prophet, how wrong they were. The whole book is poetry and is divided into five chapters. Each chapter represents a separate poem, Laments Over Jerusalem. When a person died, a poem would be written to eulogize the dead person. So these laments were like a national funeral poem. 
In the original Hebrew, most of the verses are acrostic, each verse starting with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Chapters 1 through 4 are in the acrostic form. However, chapter 5 is not. The, the acrostic form may have helped the Jews remember these laments. Many times when we humans see or hear about suffering, we have a tendency to move quickly over it because suffering is very painful to deal with. But it is important to pay attention to what the suffering are feeling. The acrostic is a structure for taking suffering seriously. Lamentations repeats the acrostic form. It goes over the story again and again and again and again and again five times. Chapter 1, the first lament, pictures Jerusalem in its desolate condition following destruction of the city. Chapter 2 clarifies the cause of the desolation and resulting captivity. Chapter 3 stresses the purpose of Judah's plight. Chapter 4 focuses on Jerusalem's past and present conditions. And chapter 5 is a prayer appealing to Yahweh for mercy. The book is a reminder that sin carries with it the consequences of sorrow, grief, misery, and pain. The chief focus of the book is on God's judgment in response to Judah's sin. But also stressed is the hope found in God's compassion. And although the book deals with disgrace, it turns to God's great faithfulness in his sovereign judgment. Also, because of the incredible judgment on them, it seems to be the end of all hope of Israel's salvation and fulfillment of God's promises. But even in terrible judgment, God is a God of hope. Lamentations 3, 24 and 25. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. The fifth lament is a prayer for mercy and the beginning of their restoration. God is faithful. He is faithful to his promises, both for judgment and for restoration. He is faithful to his chosen pe people, and he is faithful to us. Amen. Dr. Thomas Constable has observed that the church in these early years of the 21st century is very similar to Judah at the beginning of the 6th century BC. Our times are very similar to Jeremiah's times and Lamentations helps us to see the parallels between our culture and his. It's very scary. First people had abandoned God. It was not that they ceased to believe that he existed, but they felt he was irrelevant to their lives. This was true of the pagans generally, but it's also true of God's people. The religious leaders were catering to the people's desires rather than confronting them with their disobedience. Second, the people had departed from God's word. When people believe that God is irrelevant, they quickly stop paying attention to what he says. Third, the people transferred their trust from God to inadequate objects of hope, namely their political allies and at that time their temple, rather than turning to Yahweh for provisions and protection. They chose to rely on what they could see and what appeared to be strong. The people believed that since God had blessed the temple by inhabiting it and he had promised to remain faithful to them, nothing could happen to the temple. 
This was the result of selective listening to God's word. They believed only what they wanted to believe, not what God was actually telling them. Does this sound familiar? Lamentations teaches us that when God's people abandon him and depart from his word, tragedy follows inevitably. It pictures the results of apostasy, departure from God. Dr. Constable calls Lamentations one of the most tragic books in the Bible. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, how grateful we are, Lord, that you've brought us together once again to study your word. Lord, we just pray that we'll have a wonderful time of fellowship, a wonderful time of learning, and Lord, that we'll have faithful attendance, Lord. We just pray that our time in the word would, would strengthen our faith and resolve us to more be more like you, Lord. And also, Lord, that we might offer ourselves as helpers whenever we can, so we would honor you in our lives. That we would stand firm in our faith as our world seems to be moving in directions we are very unfamiliar with. We see, see things going on around us that are confusing. But Lord, we know that you are in control and that is very, very comforting. Lord, we just pray for wisdom and strength. And Lord, I just in your mercy ask that you would keep us healthy. Thank you for your mercy and your blessings and that each of us would live lives with joy in our hearts, Lord, and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>